you know, emotionally being homeless, it, it hits you, you know what I mean? Because you're just left with your thoughts. Um, you know, and, and I was, I was super sad when I was homeless, you know, but, you know, when I came to the shelter, you're always surrounded by people and you don't have those stressors of being homeless. So, I, I, you know, I became happy, you know, I was super talkative, joke around a lot, you know, and that's because I had none of those stressors. This is Mohammed. If you ask our staff, they'll say he's one of the most positive, funny, smart, and driven teens you'll ever meet. This is the story of a soon-to-be high school graduate who overcame homelessness in high school with the help of ACH's Youth Emergency Shelter. His story will surprise you in a lot of ways, not just because of all he's been through. Muhammad's resiliency will inspire you. For more than a century, ACH Child and Family Services has put our children's safety first, leading the way in child welfare by creating community programs, working hand-in-hand with state and local government, and much more. I'm Sharon So, Clinical Manager at the Youth Emergency Shelter, and this is Community Conversations, a podcast by ACH Child and Family Services about the issues our community endures in the face of child abuse. Throughout the episodes, ACH's youth, families, and staff share their stories to illustrate the impact of child abuse in and around Fort Worth. Join the discussion as we evaluate the current state of child welfare in our community and the work being done to combat the residual effects of childhood trauma. The Center for Transforming Lives reports nearly 15,000 children experience homelessness over the course of a year in Tarrant County. To put that number into perspective, that's enough children to fill 27 Fort Worth middle schools. Now that you've heard that number, we hope you'll see that Muhammad's story is one that represents many of the youth right here at home. Where do I even begin? I don't know. So so much has changed for the better. You know, just having that spot to stay, you know, having a spot to stay, not having to worry about what I'm going to eat. It really gave me time to focus on myself and build right. myself up, you know. Um, when I first came into the shelter, I had like a backpack with like some clothes mm-hmm. and I even brought toilet paper, you know right. what I mean? Right. By the time I left the shelter, you know, I already had like just basic things that I needed, it's like a bank account. I had all my, uh, all my documents. I went in with not a whole lot, left the shelter with, you know, a free ride to college. Definitely like, definitely I got help socially just meaning like in a sense of helping build that kind of that road, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To or to achieve whatever goals I have because, you know, you, you constantly have support around you. To give you some background, Muhammad faced many challenges growing up before he ever became homeless. Around the age of eight, his mother, who was a very loving mother, became ill to the point that she could not work. Her mobility was limited and the family struggled to make ends meet. Dad was not in the picture. Muhammad's brothers were drug and alcohol dependent, which left Muhammad to not only fend for himself, but be the caretaker for his sick mother. His hands were often blistered from the jobs he worked. Even though his mother disapproved of her young son working, he said he felt he had to in order to support his family. For years, there were many school absences and hungry nights. 
The more his mother's health declined, the more adult responsibilities Muhammad assumed. Preteens' emotions are often heightened, but for Muhammad, feelings of anger and frustration from missing out on a childhood only made him spiral into depression. When his mom began having longer stays at the hospital, he learned the brother he considered closest to a father figure had died. His mother passed shortly after. Now 16, Muhammad was left with his other older brother. While Muhammad returned to school and picked up work at a sandwich shop, his brother picked up drinking again. And when Muhammad confronted him, his brother kicked him out of the house. No place to go, no place to sleep, no transportation, and nothing to eat. Living on the streets, I mean, just physically, first of all, just, you know, having to go ahead and sleep outside, a lot of people think it's easy. It's really not. There have been a lot of sleepless nights, you know. Um, you can't rest, you know, either because you have security or police officers telling you that oh, it's private property and you got to get off. Um, even just like bugs and stuff like that. You wouldn't want bugs in, in your bed, right? Nobody does, you know what I mean? But when you're sleeping outside, you got, you know, the only bed is, you know, that bench or that floor. You got animals, other homeless people, you know, you don't know what their intentions are. The children ACH helps come from hard places. After so many years of a childhood filled with adult responsibilities, Muhammad was truly on his own, left to fill his days surviving on the streets. So after school, I would go to the school library, and that's where, you know, I would just go complete all my work because what else am I going to do, you know? Um, that would close at about 6 o'clock. After that, I'd go to, you know, like a basketball court, and I'd just go work out. Just, you know, just go do push-ups and go play basketball. Mm -hmm. And then I'd go find a bench or something like that to go sleep on, head over to school, and, you know, just rinse and repeat every day. These are hard places a lot of us could simply not imagine. At the time, you know, I was just trying to just get my education, try to make some sort of road for myself. But my counselor found out that I was homeless. From there, ACH's street outreach team was able to help get Muhammad to the youth emergency shelter. The Pat O'Neill Youth Emergency Shelter is the only shelter in Tarrant County which serves unaccompanied youth ages 10 to 17 years old. As the clinical manager, many of the youth we see are homeless or runaways. When a child comes into the shelter, their time there is only meant to be temporary, less than 90 days. They told me about the shelter, you know what I mean? And, and in my head, when, when I first heard about it, I was just like, oh, okay, like, I'll go over there because it's three months, you know what I mean? So I'll, like, I'll go over there, save up some money, get a car, and then live in my car. That, that was like my original plan. But that that's what originally brought me to the shelter was just like, okay, like I needed a place to sleep and, you know, food to eat. So for the kids, we want the shelter to mean more than just a place to sleep. We want them to feel and know that it is a safe space where they are welcomed, cared for and loved. When a child comes to the shelter, the first thing we do is give them a tour. That way they can see where they'll be sleeping eating, and the various places they can interact with peers and staff. During the intake process, we assign each child a therapist to help them process many of the dark, anxious, and traumatic thoughts and memories they store inside their hearts and minds. Staff work to build quick rapport with each child so they feel supported and safe to be themselves from the very start. 
Our goal for every child who stays at the shelter is to place them in a safe and stable environment when they leave, which might mean going back home for the runaways or finding a foster home for others. As for Muhammad, we'll go into more of that later. The Youth Emergency Shelter served 177 kids in 2019. Muhammad is one of the kids staff could not forget. He was always trying to make people laugh. He was always trying to joke with people just to, really just to brighten everybody's spirit. This is Melanie Hofer, team supervisor at the shelter. She leads the youth care workers. Her job is to make sure all the kids at the shelter are cared for physically, mentally, and emotionally. Team supervisors are in charge of numerous aspects in the shelter, like education, meals, activities, medical appointments, medication administration, and more. When Muhammad came along, Melanie says it wasn't all jokes and fun. It took a second for him to get used to the shelter and the staff. Shelter, safety, and adults he could trust were not things Muhammad encountered every day. Neither was the relief of his many adult responsibilities. He is like a 35-year-old man in an 18-year-old body. So he was able to be a kid. You know, he's able to joke around and not have to worry about where he's going to sleep or what he's going to eat or where his next meal is going to come from, stuff like that. And so I think once he realized that he was in a safe environment and he was going to be taken care of is when he started opening up also. When the stressors of homelessness were gone, there was more time for Muhammad to focus on doing better for himself. Trauma stops a child from allowing them to be a kid and makes them go into survival mode. A constant need to protect and defend themselves and a constant thought that they are alone and no one cares. They learn that it is up to them to provide for themselves. So when a child comes into the shelter and begins to realize that they are not alone and there are people who care to take care of them, they become a kid again. They slowly put down the walls they've put up for so long and can laugh, be carefree, and set goals for themselves, rather than simply surviving like they were before. Any change, you have to adapt to it, you know. It could be, you know, you go into a new school or, or anywhere. It's, it's normal. You know, you have to adapt to it regardless. But you definitely get to, to be a kid and just experience this not having to be an adult because adulthood is hard. So you can definitely just mess around, um, be a kid, but it also gives you time to, you know, because you're not having to travel, you know, or you're not having to deal with other people. Um, so, you know, it gives you time to, to do what you need to do. And, you you know, whenever you come into ACHUF, they give you tools to, to improve your life, you know. So when I came into the shelter, you know, they had the little laptop thing. You know, I put in like 30 applications one day you yeah. know, trying to find a yeah. job. If I was homeless, I, I wouldn't be able to do that, you know what I mean? Or, you know, I would have to make sure it's not raining or something like that. I would have to go get a paper application. When you imagine a shelter, what comes to mind? Loud? Crowded? Cold? The youth emergency shelter is a very different environment. The doors to the rooms and walls of the shelter are often covered in art by the kids. There's a ping pong table, and 20 kids can stay there at a time. Skills groups occupy the kids during their stay. The purpose of incorporating skills group in the shelter is to help prepare the kids for their future. 
the majority of our kids are not taught life skills as simple as reading a menu, how to order at a restaurant, how to iron their clothes, or something as important as how to have a safe relationship with others. We want our kids to be prepared to learn as many life skills with us before they leave. Before COVID-19, volunteers would bring dinner and fun activities for the kids to enjoy. And during the summer, outings are often planned. They would take you bowling. And I was like, man, I've never bowled in my life. I sucked the first time we went. And I got a little bit better, but you know, it was, it was cool though. And it was like, yeah. oh, okay. Like, uh, whenever people think of a shelter, right? They're like, oh, it's gonna suck. They're gonna have crappy food, stuff like that. It's gonna look like jail. It wasn't, it, you know, it was nice. Honestly, I think I had a good summer. You know. A lot of people think accepting help is easy. Having fun is easy. For the kids at ACH, many of them have faced difficulties, challenges, and experiences that make accepting those things hard. For a long time, I've always just thought, like, if I rely on somebody else, I'm kind of not safe. You know, um, and that's because I know something happens to that person or if that person decides, hey, I don't want to take care of you or anything like that, then I'm kind of done because I was relying on that person. So definitely the change to having somebody else do things for me personally, I, I was like, it's a little bit in the contrast, you know, like it's it's a little bit out there. It's a little bit strange to me, you know, and, and to other people, it might be like, uh, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll let that person pay for food and stuff like that, but that's just, you know, everybody grows up differently. I kind of kept in this mindset, you know, in my head that I don't want to have to rely on somebody else, you know? So, um, def I, I think, it, you know, I still see it kind of has a little bit of an impact on me, but overall, I think I've I've grown a little bit more comfortable to it just letting somebody else handle things for me. Melanie sees youth who come into the shelter struggle with this dilemma firsthand. Even though Muhammad now had people like her caring and looking out for him, he still acted as a caretaker for them. When we would go take him to work or pick him up from work, he was always asking, you know, do you want me to get you a drink? Do you want something to eat? It was always something for the staff when we would do stuff like that for him, which, I mean... That's, we wanted him to have a job. We wanted him to be able to be successful and stuff like that. So it was interesting to see his, his mindset in that kind of stuff. I'm very passionate about the work that we do. Our biggest goal is, of course, their safety, the kids' safety. But we want them to leave here knowing that they're not alone, knowing that there are people in the world that care about them, knowing that they do have a chance of being successful, that their past doesn't define what their future holds. The staff, they're always there to help you. You know, you can ask them personal questions about, let's say, college or relationships, you know, and they're always there to help you. And, and they're definitely there to teach you things. There were several times that I would sit, just sit and talk to him and he'd talk about his goals and his past and he didn't want, you know, that kind of stuff to hinder what he wanted in life. With, with, with some staff specifically, there, there is that bond, you mm -hmm. know? But, you know, because, I mean, to be honest, I look, I look at relationships not, not by blood. You know, there's a lot of people that don't 
know their fathers or don't know their mothers or whoever. So that's just a complete stranger to them, right? But you have somebody that, you know, you talk with, you could share your personal problems with and they can help you. Then that creates that that bond right there. So what you know, even even, you know, they're not my foster parents or or, or my blood or anything, I still feel that there's some sort of a, a relationship over there. Um and, and that definitely helped me out. For youth who come into the shelter, every outcome is different because every situation is unique. But they all have one thing in common. Everybody wants a more stable environment, um, whether they admit that or not, because there are kids who they don't want to go to a foster home because they're so used to bouncing around and they, they don't want to take that time to get close to somebody and then just be ripped out of the home again. It's traumatic for youth to jump from placement to placement while in the foster care system. And youth who cannot return home are often faced with entering the system. This is where Child Protective Services, or CPS, is involved. If there are no parents, extended family, or even friends of the family that can be found, the child enters the foster care system. 17 years was an unusual age for Muhammad to enter foster care. But as CPS would find, he didn't have anybody to go to after leaving the shelter. So ACH staff talked it over with Muhammad. If he were in the system, there are benefits he could receive, such as health insurance and free college. Honestly, I think I've had it the easiest out of a lot of people in the, in the foster care system, at least when it comes to dealing with the system. You know, because there's some people that's been in the system for 10 years. They're thrown around a different, you know, bunch of different foster homes and you know things of that nature with me being 17 you know it just kind of there was a smaller window of time and since i was working with the program just doing what i was supposed to do it was pretty easy on me to transition from the shelter over to the morris home staying in ach's care was one huge benefit of entering foster care muhammad was then able to transition to ach's morris program this program serves foster and community youth ages 14 to 17 years old who are unable to live with their families. The kids live in a home in the Wedgwood neighborhood of Fort Worth. There, they receive therapeutic services while learning independent living skills in a safe and supportive environment. This outcome brought a lot of comfort to staff who bonded with Muhammad at the shelter. They see many different outcomes for all kinds of youth moving on. He had been doing his own thing, living on the streets, and just being able to go into more of a long-term placement that is going to help him finish school, get a job, stuff like that. But at the same time, taking care of him and letting him be a kid also while he's growing up. I think, I think my story can definitely inspire other teens around my age. Um, you know, in in a sense that uh, what happens a lot with teens nowadays and just me personally going through it is you kind of lose that hope in life, you know. Um, being a teen, you definitely, you're strapped down to, to life in general. Um, meaning, you know, let's say like 15 years old, right? You don't really have too much control of your own life. Um, so it sucks whenever the people that do have control of your life can't really handle it well. 
but I think my my story can inspire a lot of people um, because I've gone through a lot of different things. People like specific people can like relate to specific parts of it, whether if that's somebody that's lost a parent or somebody that's been homeless or someone that's been depressed or you know any aspect of that you know um they can relate to a specific part of my life and just realize that they're not alone you know a lot of people go through you know these different types of traumas you know but i think they can definitely see through my story that it's not the end you know and as long as they just keep you know, keep their head up, keep pushing through, you know, just being resilient, that they can achieve whatever their goals is and whatever their heart desires. In our next episode, we'll continue Muhammad's story at ACH's Morris program. In the meantime, we'll leave you with this last thought. It costs nearly $250 per day for a child to stay in the shelter. During the COVID-19 outbreak, ACH is counting on members of our community to help us provide this vital emergency service to vulnerable youth in Tarrant County. The shelter operates 24 hours a day, seven days a week, providing crisis care to youth just like Muhammad who come from hard places. We hope that Muhammad's story has inspired you to consider supporting the shelter with a financial contribution. Visit achservices.org slash donate dash now to make your gift. You can also find that link in the show notes. I'm Sharon So. Community Conversations is a podcast brought to you by ACH Child and Family Services. Written, edited, and produced by Kristen Victorin. Special thanks to our shelter staff, Melanie Hofer and Jason Davis, and producer Stephanie Molina. And of course, thank you to Muhammad for sharing his story. If you like what you're hearing, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. You can advocate for the children in our community by telling a friend about this podcast. We'll catch you next time on Community Conversations.